0: and joins as Professor of European Politics and Foreign Affairs London, the United Kingdom and Director of the UK in a Changing Europe initiative. And as always, good to speak to you.
1: And you, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Busy times for you. Um, reaction to the ERG. Are you surprised that they have decided to tell their guys and girls not to vote for this? Uh,
1: not entirely surprised, no. I mean the fact of the matter is I don't think the Prime Minister was ever going to get exactly what the ERG said they wanted which is a way for Britain to unilaterally exit the backstop Uh, she got something and the question at that point uh, and you heard a clip from Michael Gove earlier was whether or not the threat of Brexit being slowed down or even prevented was enough to turn the ERG in favour of this deal what we found out is it isn't so it looks almost certain that the deal's going to go down again and lose in the House tonight
0: it's interesting because Throughout this process, certainly in the last few months, we've heard lots of people saying who's going to blink first. Um, the ERG clearly are not willing to blink first, are they? No matter what they are threatened with, they seem to stick no, to ab- their line that this is not good enough.
1: No, no, absolutely. But of course, the other I suppose the big question we have to ask ourselves is when is a meaningful vote really meaningful? And I suppose the answer to that is when it's the last vote we can possibly have. And I think many MPs in the House of Commons know now that this isn't the last time we get to vote because it's almost certain that we're going to have to ask for an extension to the Article 50 process. Jean-Claude Juncker said last night that that extension can go until the European Parliament elections at the end of May. So my bet would be, and it depends on the margin by which the Prime Minister loses today, but if the margin isn't too big, that we're going to come back to meaningful vote three at some point, knowing that this time the clock really is running down because the European Union might not extend an extension beyond the European Parliament elections.
0: Um, I've been seeing on social media, Anand, that some news outlets, not the BBC, are saying that, or at least I haven't seen it on the BBC, that the DUP will vote against this as well. Have you seen this?
1: Uh, yep, I've, heard the, I've seen the rumours, uh, I've seen the stories. That I haven't heard anything myself from uh, DUP MP saying that explicitly. But again, I think once you know that the ARG are voting against... Uh, or advising at least MPs to vote against, then you know that the prime minister is going to struggle to get the numbers. And I think what happens then is a lot of MPs think to themselves, well, look, if it's not going to pass, there's no point in me voting for it. I think that might be true of the DUP who want to hold out a bit longer to show people that they're standing up for their principles. It will also be true for those Labour MPs who have in the past intimated that they might support the deal. They're only going to do that if they think it can pass. So I think... There's an opportunity again tonight for a lot of MPs to have a free hit on the government, knowing that actually this is probably not going to pass anyway, so this isn't the moment to get this deal over the line. The problem, I think, is if the prime minister loses by too many – please don't ask me what too many is, but Mm. I'd say perhaps over 100 or something – if it's a big margin again and the deal doesn't look salvageable – then it's hard to see where she goes from there. It might be that the the cabinet say, look, Prime Minister, we've no longer got faith in you. It might be out of sheer desperation that she turns round and goes, the only thing I can do here is try to hold a general election to get myself a better majority.
0: Can you identify, Anand, anything in this negotiation, this conversation that was had in Strasbourg last night, that would push someone who voted against the first time to come on board? When the Attorney General himself has said, um, as far as he's concerned, certainly in terms of the backstop, nothing's changed. Uh,
1: Yes, I think there is, because you've got to bear in mind the fact that there are an awful lot of MPs in the House of Commons who are looking for a reason to back the vote. And the reason they're looking for a reason to back the vote is they might not like it very much, but they probably prefer it to the alternatives. And, And simply put, the alternatives to this deal are either you have a Brexit with no deal, or you think about reversing Brexit via a referendum. And there are many MPs for whom the deal is the least of the three evils, if you like. They're just current, they just have to figure out at what point they lend it their support, being relatively certain that it will pass at that point. That's the calculation, and it's very, very hard to calculate that accurately.
0: Mm. Considering, though, how badly the government lost the last vote, it would take something quite spectacular for that amount of MPs to come on board wouldn't it?
1: No no absolutely and I think actually the only way that was achievable would be to get the would have been to get the EU to agree to something they've always said they'll never agree to i.e a unilateral UK exit from the backstop so I don't I mean I don't think it was ever likely that the Prime Minister would pass this deal today but the question is can she come close enough to passing it that she can yes. then say to the Parliament, look? time is running out, we're going to have a short extension. The next time I come back with this thing, it is decision day, at which point it might be that a number of Tory waverers, maybe some Labour waiverers, say to themselves, look, we just need to get this over the line now. And if we vote for it the next time, it might pass. And then we're done with this business.
0: But of course, if it's a loss only by a small margin, then that sends out a message to everybody in Brussels, doesn't it? That there's still life left in it. And that will then encourage them perhaps to uh, to give further concessions, even though they're saying there aren't any more <laughs> further concessions to give.
1: It is It is very, very hard to see how the EU gives more without breaching its own red lines. Now, maybe they will breach their own red lines, but I think they'll find that hard given Ireland's position on the backstop. So actually, I'm not convinced there are going to be further concessions coming from the European Union on this. I think at this point, unless we decide to do something sort of dramatic, like have a general election or have another referendum, Uh, I don't think the European Union thinks there's anything they can do for us now but watch and hope that we get this deal over the line.
0: And lastly, why not just wait until March the 29th when legally we will leave the European Union? Deal or no Uh, deal, we will just leave the European Union. And of course, Keir Starmer has accused the government of trying to run down the clock, as it were,
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the government is trying to run down the clock, but I think to be fair to the government, they're trying to run down the clock to scare MPs into voting for the deal rather than because they want to leave with no deal. But why don't we leave with no deal? Because it would be very, very disruptive uh leaving with no deal casts into doubt a whole load of things how we trade with europe how we travel to europe how we coordinate on security with europe it leaves the rights of brits in the eu up in the air because there's no agreement covering it equally it leaves the rights of eu citizens here up in the air so it is a very disruptive way to leave and i think there is a massive majority in parliament including of leavers who recognise the fact that whilst they want to leave the European Union, they want to do so in an orderly way. So we'd rather do it with a deal than without.
0: Anand Menon, thank you. Professor Anand Menon there, of uh, the Professor of European Politics and Foreign Affairs at King's College, London.